1: I'm Chris Maxwell, and have having a conversation again with my dear friend, uh, Tracy Reynolds. Uh, Tracy, what an honor this has been, these last uh, two podcasts, uh, talking to our dear friend, uh, Dr. Doug Beecham. He's the General Superintendent of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. Uh, it's been fun, hasn't it?
0: It has been incredible. I, I'm reminded of, of uh, really, when I was uh, serving full-time at Emanuel College, I looked forward to times when, when Doug would be here, because uh, any... He, any, I sneak an hour with him in any any context, and we get to talk about a lot of a lot of laughter. But it was always compressed time. It uh, always has been an encouragement to me. I think when yeah. I and I appreciate that. There's never been any pretext. It's just always been. Uh, I know he cares about me, and he uh, uh, is encouraging me to to continue to follow Jesus. Uh, I feel the the nudge in that direction. And I appreciate that, brother. But thank you for investing today.
2: Well, thank yeah. you, guys. Good to be with you. All right, I'm going, to, I'm going to flip this one a little bit. For the last two sessions, uh, you guys gave me a chance to do all the talking, basically, and talk a little bit about uh, how do you hear God's call? What are the influences on hearing God's call? And I sort of approached in the second session sort of a bigger picture of, uh, uh, of, of global Christianity and historic Christianity over the centuries, and all of that is part of the package of Hearing God's Call I'd like to, I'm going to punt this ball to you guys. I want to hear y'all, because both of you are engaged in, Tracy, you're engaged in the life of a local congregation. I'm, I'm in a different congregation every Sunday, so I really don't get a local church feel. Chris, you're, in, you're engaged with the generation uh, as the chaplain at Emmanuel College, the generation that's going to inherit this century. I want to flip this to y'all, and I want to listen to you guys talk about uh, what are the real issues of leadership that our younger generation is looking at? That you are encountering the the challenges, and what can people like me do mm-hmm. uh, do better or not do at all to be more effective?
1: Mm-hmm. So it's it's y'all's turn. Are you going first, Tracy? Or?
2: Well,
0: I get the sense I should. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chris is giving me that look. You know what that look is? The Chris. Look. Well, first, let me just say I appreciate. The people that have gone before and have given me an opportunity. I've never been in a position where I didn't realize that I stood on the shoulders of someone else. And I've always been so appreciative of people who gave me a chance. And so my first thing I, I would say is I think that these students who are, by the way, they're brighter than we are, uh, I, I'm a musician. They're more talented than I was. They do things at age seventeen and eighteen and nineteen and twenty and twenty-one that I had no clue how to do. Uh, and I, I'm grateful. To be in a place now where we can turn around and pay it forward and give them opportunities, and I don't—I don't mean opportunities for busy work. I mean opportunities to do significant, meaningful things. I find that they will rise to the challenge if I will give them meaningful opportunity in the space. And and usually I just end up being a bit of a cheerleader. Uh, Saturday I, I got to play uh, piano for three girls. And one of them's a ninth grader, one's a 10th grader, and one just graduated from high school. And these girls are like top flight singers. And I just tried to get out of their way. They have uh, such amazing uh, capacity already. And it was just cool to be, I'm just a dumb old piano player behind them doing their thing. Um, Man, we get to do that kind of thing, Chris, maybe not all the time at a piano but just to facilitate their their growth and to, to put them out there and put them not necessarily on a stage
1: but but stage it for them so they can can take their next steps and yeah. do their thing. I love that. And Tracy and Doug I'm, I'm thinking about uh, as we give them opportunities we have to be willing to give them opportunities to fail. Hmm. Give giving them opportunity, you know, let's let's teach them how to you know, take for example preaching Let's teach them how to speak, how to preach, how to study, how to prepare, but let's give them opportunities to do that also. Uh, Let's teach them how to pastor, how to listen. Uh, You were talking about uh, all of the advantages in this generation. One of the disadvantages is they are poor listeners. Um, Often, because we're living in this high-tech world and we're raised with short attention spans. And we're included in that now because we're also busy. We're we're living that. Um, It's just like in my spiritual formation class. I'm teaching the students to listen. Mm -hmm. Just have a moment of like this. We don't even want this kind of moment in a podcast. I mean, just those few seconds. Mm -hmm. That was a little (laughs) uncomfortable pause. But teaching them the importance of, of listening and, and teaching them the importance of a pastoral heart. Uh, most of the role of, of church pastoral positions now is just on lead hard, lead well, lead strong, lead new, instead of listen well, hmm. love deep. I want our students, I want this next generation to love deep. And for us to help them, my argument is we have to mentor them. Um, we can give them all of the textbooks and all the curriculum possible, but we need to mentor them. And it's not just handing them the book. It's being the book for them, uh, letting them read our lives uh, because they want us to be authentic and transparent and uh, leading with the love and, and leading with care. And another thing that comes to my mind is I'm thinking about uh, us trying to lead the next generation. I'm thinking about those who are in leadership positions right now. And Doug, how, how, how can we become better at emph- emphasizing the importance of self-care? Mm. We're, we're just pushing and shoving. We've got we, to you know, yeah. grow churches. We have to do this, and we have to lead, and we've got to try this new trend and see if this works. In the middle of all that, they are worn out. We are yeah. worn out. You know, in addition to that, and it's the same
0: point really, is the level of anxiety that I sense right now. With, with my students is just off the charts. Um, I, I teach a couple of classes online and, and at Emmanuel, the last few weeks, we've all been online. And one day, this uh, the technology let me down. It was wonderful when it works and it, it just didn't work. So I had to, in the middle of this, uh, this time we had planned, go to the unplanned. And I felt like I should just turn it around, kind of like what you've done with us, Doug. And allow them the opportunity. So I stopped with 35 minutes left on the clock. I stopped and said, "Okay, um, how can I pray for you?"
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I just got quiet. And then there was what seemed like 30 seconds of silence. It probably was five seconds. And they began, and I already they know with me that if they don't speak up, I'm going to call them out. <laughs> uh, so they, before that happened, somebody just and it was like dominoes, but person after person after person shared about this angst and anxiety. And they just, as as one would share a little bit and then we would just ask a clarifying question, uh, then it just became, well, who will pray for so-and-so? And then, so well, I'll Then pray for them. And then uh, then we just said, well, hold that thought. And who's next? And there were 14 people in that class. And it, it we barely got it in, in in the next 35 minutes to be able to stop and pray. At the very end of that, just being totally transparent, I wasn't sure if I'd just been a terrible teacher, you know, according to educational standards, if I had just flopped at this. And I still wasn't, they, we prayed. I said, you know, I I said that out loud. I said, guys, I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not. Hmm. I said, but I just felt I was supposed to do. And I, if, if you felt like we wasted our time, I'm sorry for that. But I think in the greater, so, wasn't five minutes after the class was over, I began getting emails from students saying, thank you, Pastor Tracy. Thank you for that. I needed that. I needed that. Well, what did they need? I think they needed some space and Mm -hmm. some time. And something that you said in the very first podcast that we had, Doug, when you heard your father pray for you. Mm -hmm. How many times do we in our own lives hear people call our names in prayer? So, that might have been one of the more influential things because every one of them got to hear someone call their name and pray specifically for them.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the closing of Colossians, a church Paul probably had not actually visited, mm-hmm. but he knew about it and he knew people there. And he makes reference, and I think he makes reference to the same person in the little letter of Philemon. At the end of Colossians... He says, Say to Archibus, take heed to the ministry you've received in the Lord. Mm. This, keep in mind, this is a house church. They're not in a Sunday morning right. Western church. They're in a house. Paul's letter's being read aloud as it's meant to be read. And somebody's sitting there, and it's like, Say to Tracy. Mm. Say to Chris. Say to Doug. Mm. At this point, you said calling somebody by name. Mm. I, you raised the issue of anxiety. And I think part of the way of ministering to that is, is calling somebody by name. Mm. Somebody knowing they're not alone. If, if I know somebody's name, and I call them by name, If they do that to me, it makes a difference. Um, It's the simplest element of significance that that somebody knows my name. Yeah. Uh, You know, the first act, one of the first acts of Adam in the garden is to name the animals. It's a it's an acknowledgement of identity. Uh, the ministers I hear from and out of our own movement particularly since COVID there is a lot of anxiety especially there's this desire to get things back to the way they used to be
0: Mm.
2: and for many of them uh, through last year 2020 and even through much of this year the ways they normally did pastoral care you can't do anymore Mm-hmm. You you can't be in that hospital when that person's dying, with with unless unusual circumstances. And uh, in many cases last year, people had digital funerals. Right. Yeah, and and just the things that most ministers get their lack like of a better word we get our ego itch from.
0: Right, it's true.
2: Our scratch. And that's not a negative, really. That's part of who we are. Those things were taken away last year. And they, they're very slow to return, if they ever return at all. I got a, um, a message on Facebook Messenger from a young pastor in South Carolina. Uh, he made a comment to me. He's early 20s. He'd finished one of our schools. And he said, I began my past trip, my first past trip, when COVID hit. Wow. And I, I wrote him back and I said, you may be more equipped to deal with what the That's future good. holds than most of your peers who were struggling with, I want it back the way it used to be. Yeah. You're better positioned for how yeah. it's going to be. Mm. Because you don't have a bunch of preconceived notions about what constitutes success. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I, I feel for pastors right now. This is a tough season. Yeah. And how to take care of ourselves. Somebody, Chris, maybe you mentioned yeah. that. I think one of the things we have to say to one another is that it's okay to go get professional counseling help. Yes. Amen. Uh, you know less... You're no less redeemed by the blood of Jesus. To acknowledge that I got mess that I can't handle, yeah. And and we don't go. We don't go for a lot of reasons. I don't think money's the main reason. I think fear's the main reason. Mm-hmm. We're afraid this this person we're paying two hundred dollars an hour to is going to condemn us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mainly because we condemn ourselves
1: that's so true it's so many of the of the leaders that i talk to are living in the singular they're trying to fight through these struggles alone uh, and i'm thankful that i have guys like you that have been in my life that if if i am struggling i could send a note to either of you guys mm-hmm. and say man this has been rough i need yeah, to talk okay. and i've got other friends in my life that i can do that to and uh, Doug, you can remember when I was pastoring in Orlando, I had the accountability group and those guys that I would meet with regularly. Mm-hmm. And we would be there for one another. And then, Tracy, since I've been in Georgia, you and I have met regularly. And I tell those stories, and, 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 and I tell those to other people who are in ministry or in some leadership position, and they're like, man, I don't have anybody to talk to.
0: Mm.
1: And, Doug, what can you tell us as suggestions of being intentional, Many times, people had close relationships in the past, and, and, and some people use that against them. Yeah. And so I tell them, hey, don't, don't let the hurts from your past control your present and future decisions. That's a phrase I use, but that's not easy to do. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think you have to find people outside your normal network. Uh, there are trust issues, which, which are natural. I, I mean, uh, I think all of us would be uncomfortable uh, talking about our, our greatest fears or anxieties or temptations uh, with people with people who might could use that right. in an inappropriate way and uh, in our movement we're trying to create safe spaces where ministers can go uh, for whatever they're dealing with and uh, they' are Adjudicatory leadership doesn't necessarily have to know about it at all, mm. uh, unless it's criminal. I mean, that's a different right, story. Right. We're talking about a, a more reasonable things. And I, uh, I just think we most ministers have to find a way to give ourselves permission to say that uh, I don't have it all together. Yeah. You, you, we laughed about this earlier. You call this the next step. Leadership, and I laughed and called it, I, could, I can really do misstep. And, 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 and but, you know, in, in reality, everybody, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's right. So that the glory belongs to God. That's right. And not to us. And it. I, we all three would say, this is not an easy path to do this. No. And uh, uh, we need leaders to say to us, it's okay for you to get help. -hmm. And uh, uh, you know, then to know where to be able to go and stuff like that. So, I I think in our own movement, we're trying to say that to ministers. It's hard, Uh, uh, and and you just have to stay on it. It never ends. And uh,
0: I think at the heart of all those things is relationship. Yeah. It really is. And I think modeling that, offering those relationships, but also modeling, uh, I, I can't help but tell people all the time, well, my buddy Chris, you know that comes out frequently. My buddy Terry, my mm-hmm. buddy Chris. Uh, those, they, you get more told on you than you have any idea. <laughs> and Chris tells me all the time, says, I bragged on you about that. And, and, but I, that has value. But I think it's not, I'm not trying to model that. But because we're in relationship, that allows us to to offer that to other uh, for students and,
1: and people that are trying
0: to follow Jesus after us.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that's so important. And as we think about this little phrase that we use about next step being our best step, let's remember not to take those steps alone. Yeah. Let's have the right people leading us and the right people that are following us, the right people that are beside us as we seek to endure the journey and make Each step, our best step.
0: Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Their debut single is coming October 29th. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans to learn more and pre-save their new song, Somebody Famous. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday. So join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.